Welcome back to The John Morris Show, a podcast for freelancers, web developers, and online business owners navigating the chaotic world of technology and online business. If you're new to the show, be sure to visit johnmorrisshow.com to subscribe on iTunes, Android, and TuneIn, and find past episodes of the show. And last but not least, as a podcast listener, you can get free access to my entire curriculum of freelancing and web development courses with the exclusive two-month free trial of Skillshare that I can give you. All the details on how to get that are at johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Again, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Now, let's get to the show. The John Morris Show. Hey there, John Morris here. Welcome back to another episode of the show. So this one, I want to talk about how to switch your career to IT later in life. So this is a fairly common question that I get. So I wanted to go through it. And I actually came across a post the other day that I was reading over on Dev.2 where someone was talking about how they switched their career. And I thought it made for a pretty good example. So I wanted to go through that and share some some tips and insights with you if that's something that you're considering doing or in the process of doing. And if you've sort of been maybe scared to switch your career because you've got responsibilities of family, kids, that sort of thing. Uh, and you're worried about how you're going to manage the switch with money and that sort of thing. Um, you know, or maybe you're just wondering if, Hey, can I even make it as a developer? That's a, a big one that comes up for a lot of people and just want to know sort of how to break into it when you really have no previous experience. Um, and you know, the thing about this is, if you're not happy in your current career, then it, it's sort of like, what's the point uh, of continuing down that path? And the last thing that you want is to sort of regret not making that switch 30 years from now and wishing you could go back and knowing that you can't. So, so it's sort of an important thing, and that's that's why I want to talk about it. What I really want you to get from this video is, uh, number one, just the confidence to to go for it. I think that's probably the biggest thing. It, I think you're probably far more capable of making the switch than you might think. So I want to give you that confidence, but also then sort of a path ahead, sort of maybe a, a plan for you to be able to, to manage how you're actually going to do this. And just real quick, uh, my story on this. I, I sort of did this when I came back from Iraq. I mean, in a lot of ways, I did it before I went over there because... I didn't need to to quit my job that I was in at the time. I could have went over, come back, and came back to that job. But I knew I was at the point where I didn't want to do that. And so I, I just quit my job when I went back to Iraq. And I was like, it's going to be sort of a clean slate, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to sort of break into this other thing. And I was in, a, I was in sales, and I was headed towards probably a six-figure sales manager role, the top sales managers in that company that's what they made. And you know, I was on a pretty fast track. I was doing pretty well and I was pretty good at it. So I was probably headed uh, in that direction, but I just was not happy at all. And you know, even though at the time it was really scary, which you might be able to relate to, it ended up being the best decision I ever made and uh, am a thousand percent glad that I made it. And then, uh, as I mentioned, I stumbled across this post on Dev.2 from a guy named Gabriel, and it's sort of a similar story. He was a nurse uh, working in the UK and sort of got fed up with, with the you know, the uh, apparently the hospitals over there are constantly understaffed and there's a lot of protocols, and he just really didn't enjoy it and ultimately came to the point where he just wasn't happy. 
And so he quit his job and then within a year became a full stack developer. And so that's a that you know that's a pretty quick transition. A year is is uh, maybe not the fastest I've seen, but it's still a fairly quick transition. And so I wanted to use some of uh, the things, his lessons uh, as well as we talk about this. So what I want to do is go through some common questions that that a lot of people tend to ask when it comes to this sort of thing, a lot of the fears they have and, and sort of address those. So the number one by far question that I get with this and really just web development and, and people starting out in general is how much do I need to know before I can apply, before I can get a job uh, and so forth. And my answer is that it's probably a lot less uh, than you might think. Uh, the uh, Again, uh, my own example, before I uh, got hired at the very first tech job that I ever did, I, I mean, I didn't even fully know PHP at that point. I was still definitely very confused by it. I mean, I was still having trouble reading the manual when I got hired for that position. It wasn't probably until a good year into that job where I felt like it really clicked and I really knew uh, what I was doing. I can take my little brother uh, as an example. You know, he hadn't ever written any Java code before he got hired as a Java application developer at IBM. And even to this day, uh, he still doesn't write uh, like a bunch of Java and he's well into the six figure range. I know I use him as an example a lot, but it's really the perfect example uh, of this sort of thing. So it's probably a lot less than you need to know. You do need to know some basic stuff in terms of just programming concepts. So like what object oriented programming is pretty much any job that you're going to go into you're probably going to get asked about that. So what what it is, just some basic concepts or basic idea of what programming is, uh, depending on what particular area you're applying in. If like you're doing specific web stuff, then a basic understanding of what a web server is and you know what source code is and how it works in conjunction with a web server and that sort of thing. Really, really basic fundamental stuff uh, that you would want to have an idea of. But you definitely do not, uh, in my experience and experience of pretty much everybody, anybody I've ever talked to about this, you do not have to be some super highly skilled developer in order to get a job, in particular a junior developer job. So again, how much do you need to know? It's going to be depend d different for every company, but it is probably a lot less than you think it might be. All right, the next one that I get a lot is, do I need a lot of projects under my belt? before I can apply. So I do I need to have all of these open source projects or things that I've done, et cetera, before I can apply for a job and get hired. So to use Gabriel's example, this is something he specifically talked about. He had only done two really small projects uh, before he got hired. So he didn't have a ton of experience under his belt. Um, you know, my little brother hadn't done any. When I got hired, I'd only written one WordPress plugin and it, <laughs> it was not that well written. It just so happened it was highly relevant to what that company was after. And you're going to start to see a thread as as we go on here, this term relevance. If there's one thing you write down from, from watching this or listening to this is the word relevance. Uh, that That's more important really than probably anything else. And so, again, the reason I got hired is because the one plugin I had written was highly, highly relevant to the company that ended up hiring me. So it's probably a lot, again, the, this sort of the same answer. How many projects you need? Probably a lot less than you might think. It's good to have something. More is better than uh, less in a lot of cases. 
but again, relevance to the positions that you want to apply for. It's more important to think that through. Like what positions do I want at what companies and what kind of things are they after and work on one or two projects related to that than it is to have 10 that are that are sort of random. Another big question I get is, should I quit now and then sort of dive into the learning or wait until I, I have a new job to quit? And so just to give you some some of the data, the, the examples. So Gabriel, uh, this, this uh, article I read, he quit and quit right away, just was done, quit and left and went uh, and started learning IT and so forth. My little brother did the same thing. Uh, he was working in a factory uh, and he just quit, uh, did some freelancing with me for a little bit and then ended up applying at, uh, at IBM. Uh, I actually stayed working. So I was uh, doing other jobs while I was uh, learning learning all of this. I don't know that I have a good sense that you can tell, I can tell you one way or the other specifically. I think this definitely depends more on you. You know, if, if you have, if you've saved up money to where you have bills and expenses, but you can pay them for six months with money you've saved up, then, and you're just really just done, then, then maybe quitting is, is going to work for you. Um, but if you're not in that situation, like it's totally possible to keep working and doing what you're doing and learn this stuff on the side and then eventually get a job, especially if you really understand that you don't need to know as much as you think you do. So I think you can do it either way. You just really have to know yourself um, and what you're going to be capable of. If you're going to be capable of doing this stuff on the side and stay motivated and so forth, or if you just need to like put yourself to the fire to motivate yourself and quit and, and you're able to do that, then uh, I've definitely seen people do that as well. All right, another one is how should I build my resume in particular because uh, assuming you, you have no prior IT experience. So one of the things that Gabriel recommends in his post or says that he did is he removed everything from his resume that was not relevant to IT. And that can sound a little bit strange, like maybe I should put everything in there and at least show that I've done this job and been reliable for, you know, a certain number of years and so forth. And there's maybe some uh, truth to that. But again, a lot of times it's a it's a much more about relevance. And in particular, if you start working on projects or start trying to do things related to IT uh, that are specific to something that a company is, is after, it's more important to put relevance on there than it is to just load it with a whole bunch of, of stuff that's not related. And the big reason why that is, is because a lot of these companies, they get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications. And so they are finding quick ways to sift through these applications. And so if they open your application and they see, like in Gabriel's uh, case, they see experienced nurse, they're like, oh, what? buy like that they're just looking for any excuse to throw it okay so you really want to eliminate as many of those excuses as possible and in that scenario less is actually more because now if they see like a one-page resume and yeah there's not a ton of experience on it but the experience is relevant to the to the position that they're hiring for they might actually read it because it's not three pages long it's one page and all the experience is relevant okay so Again, relevance, relevance, relevance. It's such a huge thing. Now, on that point, one thing that I used to do, and 
Like, this is one of those things, like, you can use for good or evil, and I'll just be right up front. I sort of use this for evil for a period of time in my life. But instead of recent listing recent experience on your resume, which is what a lot of people do, I always used to list relevant experience. Now, I was listing relevant experience because I was bouncing from job to job, and I might quit, quit a job after three months, and I didn't want to put that on my resume that I'd quit and especially in some of those cases where I had just walked out in the middle of work. Um, and so I didn't want them calling those people and so forth. But I also didn't want to, like, say recent experience but not list something on there and be misleading. So I would put relevant experience and then I would list the things that were relevant uh, to a particular position. Now, you can use that for good in this sense by listing any relevant experience that you have related to the position that you're applying for and not necessarily listing your recent uh, experience as a nurse or whatever else, whatever your job happened to be. Um, and that way, you're, you're, you're showing them the things that matter for the position that, that you're applying for. That's going to be, again, far more impactful than just listing something that has nothing to do with the job you're applying for. All right, uh, final question here that I'm going to cover then today is how do you get an interview? So again, a lot of it has to go ha goes back to your resume. And I'm, I'm sort of making assumptions that you're familiar with the job market in terms of, you know, a lot of times you're going to take your resume and you're going to put it on Indeed. You're going to put it on Monster. You're going to put it uh, on, on some of these sites out there. You're going to go job searching and apply and you're going to include your resume with it. So a lot of it's going to come down uh to, to the resume. And again, one of the things that I'll, I'll uh, advise that you do is you have a basic framework for your resume. And then again, uh, your resume to job match. So customize it when you send it in. You know, if, if you have a, a framework and you've sort of listed everything that's generally relevant to IT, now when you go to apply for the Java developer position at IBM, sort of customize it for only the things relevant to that uh, specific position. Whereas if you come over here and you apply for node developer at such and such, like research the company and then list the things that are only relevant to that particular position and that company. Now, one of the, the like advanced tips or pro tips I can give you when it comes to this is when you want to go to apply at a particular company, almost all of these companies, especially the big ones, are going to have some sort of mission and vision statement. They're going to talk about their values and what's important to them. Go and read that. And then on your resume, a lot of times you'll have some sort of summary or statement that goes right at the top. Like take the stuff that they've put out in terms of their values and find the things that sort of match with you and write your statement specific for that company mentioning the things that they've they've put out in their values and vision and mission and so forth. That's going to catch their eye. They're, they're looking for those sort of buzzwords. And oftentimes when it comes to companies, especially the big ones, it's less about your experience and how and it's more about how well, how good of a fit you are for their company culture. Like if you listen to these people talk at all, that that's what's far more important to them is their culture and, and your fit for that. So if you understand and get some sense of what that culture is and then inject that into your resume, that's a, what's more likely to get you the interview, get you the call, that sort of thing, than 
having 17 years of IT experience. So use that to your advantage that these companies focus on that and they tell you exactly what they're looking for. Put that in your resume. Uh, and then, you know, when you're doing that and if you're getting calls from, from companies, recruiters, whatever, just really sort of focus on the soft skills on, on those, those calls, right? Uh, and again, this is one of the things that Gabriel mentioned that, that he did. Just really focus on, you know, being someone that's easy to talk to, talking about, you know, when, when questions come up or whatever, sort of focusing on things like reliability and good work ethic and, and just ha making the conversation go well. And if you can have a good call, uh, it, it's sort of like, uh, again, I'll take my own experience uh, uh, as a male back in the day when you had a girl at school that you liked and you finally got up the courage to ask if you could call her and she said yes. And then when you were getting ready to call her, like your focus was on like making her laugh and having a good time. So she enjoyed being around you and talking to you and wanted to talk to you again. Or if you're a female, vice versa, right? That's, that's what you should focus on more than I'm, I did this and I did this and I did this and I'm this best at this and I'm awesome at this. Like if you go on a call and you're just bragging about yourself, just think about yourself. You don't want to talk to the person that just brags about themselves all the time. So the, that's probably not someone that's going to get a call back and get a, get an interview. So just really focus on those soft skills and being someone that's sort of worth talking to and, and, and people want to be around. All right. So those are some like common questions. Now to kind of wrap all that up and think about, okay, how can we implement this? So I wrote down some action steps that that are, are things you can start thinking about now starting to do. And the very first thing is to make a plan. So to answer answer some of these questions for yourself, am I gonna quit? Do Am, am, am I in a position where I can quit? Um, or do I need to stay working where I'm at? Or maybe I quit what I'm doing now and go work some other job that doesn't require as much time for me so I can focus on IT as my primary thing are you able to do that financially and so forth? Like think through and make like look at a one year plan. I'm I am fairly confident. I'm probably 95% confident that this transition can be done within a year. If you really focus on it, you really have a plan and are organized. I think you can do it within a year at a at, at most. Okay. And I've definitely I've seen people do it in three months. So just Think about your next year, okay, and and just think about it in terms of it's one year that might be tough for the next thirty of your life. Now that's a little bit cliche, but that really is the the way to think about it. And make a plan. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and do this, and and that's you know this is my sort of progress forward. So that's the first thing is have a plan, make a plan. Second thing is start applying sooner rather than later. I honestly, I would start applying now, even if you have no experience, like companies are desperate for people that are even willing to want to be a developer, try to be a developer. So the fact that you'll even raise your hand and say, Hey, I want to be a developer like that. That's a big part of it. And so I would apply sooner rather than later. You might, you might be able to go apply at a company with no experience right now and get hired. So I'm not saying that's a hundred percent, but you'd be surprised. So again, apply sooner rather than later. And then probably the 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 biggest one, and this is the thing you're going to have to focus on really throughout your career, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, this here in a second, is to develop your continuous learning system. Like this industry 
is very, very heavily dependent on learning and being able to continue to learn and all the new things that are coming out and everything that's happening and so forth, continuing to be able to do that. So you really need to focus on, okay, I need a system for constantly and continually learning uh, new things. And, And just sort of on that note, like I've been at this for over 15 years now. That was 15 years ago. Uh, that I first said I want to be uh, a developer and I've worked on all kinds of projects for all kinds of people famous people and companies you know, regular people and I sort of feel like I've seen it all and, and I've worked with all kinds of developers uh, along the way and one of the things that I noticed that really separates good developers from everyone else is their ability to keep moving and adapting to the industry. They, they're they the people that always seem to pick up the newest technologies and frameworks sooner than everyone else. And they seem to always be ahead of what's coming next. And they kind of beat everyone to the punch. And as a result, their careers benefit. They benefit from doing that. But what I've learned in working with a lot of these people is it's not because they're super geniuses. It's because they've internalized their learning. They've, they've gotten serious about it and they've made it as much a part of their, their life and their daily routine as drinking their morning coffee. That's what really good developers do. Now, one of the great ways that you can do that same thing is a site that I sort of constantly talk about called Skillshare. And it's sort of like the Netflix for learning. And it's for those who are serious about their continuous learning. So the way it works is you pay a low monthly fee. Uh, They have a monthly option, which is $15 a month, or they have an annual, which works out to about $8.25 a month if you want want that. Uh, And with that, you get access to every course on the site. So just like Netflix, you pay a monthly fee and you get access to all the content. It's the same thing. You pay the monthly fee, you get access to everything. So web development, freelancing, graphic design, business building, marketing, social media, it's all on there. Uh, whatever you need to learn. And as a teacher there, I can give you an exclusive two-month free trial of the site. So you can try it out. You can see for yourself uh, and see if it's something that's going to work for your continuous learning system. Now, the link for that is johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. But before you click on over there, this is the thing. Like You're never going to get through everything that you'll need to learn in that two months. Like I said, I think a year is a reasonable time frame uh, for for looking at this sort of uh, transition. And that's just the honest truth. That's me being up up front with you and and direct. So in my opinion, there's really no point in like going to do this trial if you're not really serious about your career and, and making this switch and investing in continuous learning. One of the most probably the most important thing you can do as as a developer. So I just want to say only check it out if you're serious about giving it an honest evaluation and truly finding out if this can be the thing that helps you continually uh, learn. Uh, they're constantly adding new classes. It was a couple months ago, it was you know 20,000 and then it was 22,000. Now it's 28,000. There's constantly new courses being added over there on all sorts of different topics. So it's always up to date and and fresh. And that's the best thing about it. So again, uh, if you're serious about investing in your continuous learning, I think it's a great way to do that. Again, like I said, the link is johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. All right. So that's it. That'll do it for this episode. If you liked the episode, be sure if you like it. Uh, If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to subscribe. Uh, Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. The John Morris Show. 